Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host Patrick from Polestring Press for this great studio. Hey, Patrick. Hey, good morning, Mark. Patrick, I want you to meet a dear friend of mine, Dr. Yannette Thomas. Um, Yannette is coming to us via Skype. Yannette, how are you today? I am very well, thank you. Is, is, I, I'm, and I'm coming in from Maryland, as you know. That's yes. right. I, and I'm thrilled to have you join us. And, and people are trying to figure out why... Um, how do we get someone from out of the 805? I love having it's this show is about fascinating people you want to know better. Um, we met as a result of a um, a mastermind that we're in with uh, Bo Eason, and That's correct. Uh, we we work we we found each other because you wanted to create a what did you call it a collaboratorium? Is that right? I- Right, a, a research collaboratory. Yeah, yeah a collaboratory. A collaboratory. That's yes. what it is, a collaboratory. And and yeah. as our listener knows, um, I'm all about community and collaboration and, and helping people do that. So uh, you and I have been working together on, on making that dream come true. And I thought that your, your story w- is of particular interest to our listeners um, because – You've had a an amazing career, which we'll get into, and you're you've made this transition uh, from uh, an academic and research based career into a uh, a coaching career, and uh, a lot of I, I think a lot of our listeners are trying to figure out God, is that for them as well. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about your background? Give us the the Cliff Notes version. So I'll be. Qu- I'll try to do the clip notes. Clip notes. I know it's seven so, pages um, <laughs> long, so but it gets to the highlights. So, um, so I'm a social epidemiologist um, uh, by training. My training started out in medical sociology and demography, and then I did epidemiology and combined those two. And basically, my interest has always been, um, you know, understanding the behavior of individuals in the context of their community in relation to health. A very nice career at the National Institutes of Health, National Institute of Drug Abuse, where I started out as a program director for social epidemiology. I created the Social Epidemiology of Drug Abuse Program. I became the chief of epidemiology um, in, at that institute. And for I stayed there for quite some time, for many years. And then I was asked to go to Howard University in Washington, D.C. to create their Office of Regulatory Research Compliance. So, um, and research compliance basically is research integrity and helping academics uh, do the right thing by the, in their human subjects research. So I did that for four years, created an office, and I, um, in the midst of all of that, though, throughout my career, and I also, I should say, I'm uh, a voluntary research professor on the faculty of the Public Health Sciences Department at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. Um, so I teach, I interact with students, I interact with early career academics. And the one thing at the NIH, 
at the in in the academic community, I found that people always found me to ask me, "What should I do? How can I? How should I move from one point from point A to point B in my 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 career process? Um, how do I get to the next level?" It was constantly whether they were students, graduate students, postdocs, or early career or mid level academics, and I realized that. Um, I did that free gratis and for nothing. It was what I liked doing. Right. And when I got to the point, uh, this wonderful experience you talked about, we met at Boeson. There I was with a group of amazing leaders um, were talking about doing things that they liked doing the best. Right. And I right. realized mm-hmm. that what I like doing the best is guiding, coaching, mentoring people. So out of that, Strategic Transitions was born. Um, initially, I thought I would focus on people at the PhD level who are academics and trying to figure out. Um, I currently have six of those types of people, but there are other folks who engage me. Um, I was, uh, very quickly I'll tell you, I was um, part of the Millennial Leadership Institute that trains the next generation of college presidents. I quickly decided I did not want to be a college president because <laughs> I'm really not engaged in um, figuring out the whole athletics thing. Oh, and, um, yeah. you know, right. Yeah. Yes, oh, is yes, that, yes. hold, so, hold it. Stop. You both had a knowing aha. What's that knowing aha? <laughs> I've, I've, if you're going to be a president, you've got to have a really good sports team. Well, I've, I've spent a little time in higher education at universities and private schools and, and, and the, the, the disproportionate amount of time uh, that you have to spend, um, uh, what catering to to that side of your uh, of your population? I would say is it's it's shocking. Yes, right. So you have to know and sports many, ball. Many, many college presidents have lost their jobs because something happened in athletics right, yeah. that put them on the front page of the local newspaper. There's ample stories of um, that. Yeah, never mind innovative yes. curriculum or like the ability to uh, build a <laughs> dynamic base of diverse uh, minds that are working towards good ideas. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, I should say one of my mentors in the program that I was in, I was the 2011 cohort of the MLI was Graham Spanier and Graham Spanier was then the president of Penn State University. We needn't say more. Yeah. Right. Wow. So um, we we talk about millennials on the show uh, a lot, as it turns out, and for lots of the obvious reasons. I didn't realize there was a Millennial Leadership Institute, which was, and I say this again because it was, it was interesting, it's, um, mil, is it your... Millennial, co- it's it, Millennial, Millennium Leadership Institute. It was, it's part of the Association of State Colleges and University, and they have this program where they bring in cohorts of individuals who have some connection to higher ed and engage them with mentors and, and um, in, um, I think it's a week of discussions around how you become a college president. Hmm. And they're really trying to engage and encourage groups of individuals to move into that, that, you know, become college presidents. Many of them, many of my colleagues are currently college presidents, um, but I decided I did not want to be, uh, but what ended up happening is I ended up coaching and mentoring many of those folks, many right. of my colleagues on right. their way to presidencies. Right. Yes. Now, um, I have insider knowledge of what you're, what you do. So I'm going to try to pull this out, but mm-hmm. you've, 
you know, one of the things we worked on, and I think all businesses work on this, which is why we did it initially, was who your ideal customer is, like who your avatar is. So t tell yeah. us about that process, figuring out who, who was going to be best for you now that you understood what it is you wanted to do. How do you find those people or, or actually who they are? How do you recognize them when you see them? So my, my, my initial, my baseline, and, and I'm, I'm a, an academic so a science, research scientist, so I'll come up with baseline. My baseline avatar would be an individual who uh, is at the doctorate level and they are either in academia or wanting to move from academia, and I call it moving from .edu to .org, mm. in trying to figure out how to do that, um, or moving up from uh, assistant professor, becoming tenured, or if they're tenured, moving into some sort of a leadership um, role in academia, whether they want to lead an institute or how they become an endowed chair, how they get that, how they work across the lines with other colleagues around the country. Really, those type, that's my baseline avatar. Um, but I have other, other types of individuals who I'm very interested in, for example, um, individuals who are at the postdoctoral level, and they postdoctoral meaning they have a PhD and they're working in a research lab and they've been doing interesting things and they decided, you know, I want to be a thought leader and I want to figure out how to across the board engage a wider array of people, not just in the academic community but practitioners and beyond. And I I enjoy. Um, thinking through and processing with individuals like that, helping them figure out what that network would look like, what their ecosystem should look like, would look like, and how to engage that ecosystem. And how do you how do you do that? I mean, that's that's challenging, right? Like you, it is. So, do you have a so process takes, that you're when you're working with? Them? I do, I do. I begin with what I call a visioning. And that process is in person or virtually to really get a sense of the, their, the professional self and the individual self. Mm. And those two go together. The individual self would be um, who you are as an individual. You may be a wife, a mother, a, a parent. Um, you're part of a, a family network that's supportive or not supportive. Um, and what that ecosystem looks like. Um, and then the professional self, who are you? Um, you are a, a public health lawyer who is interested in engaging um, a wide array of people around a particular issue, or you are um, a researcher, an academic who wants to do different things. And what I do is I, I look at those work with the individual to look at those two pieces and figure out how they connect initially. So what goes into each of those sides? And then we look at um, how, what the balance is and how one helps the other. Because I find that a lot of times, most often, my colleagues are looking for um, professional, personal life, um, balance and integration. So that's my initial visioning. And then since we're working on professional life, then going through um, what that context is, what the professional life is, where the person wants to be in three years, five years, 10 years, 
how we they they we I could help them get there, um, and what's the broader ecosystem in their professional world, um, meaning their networks. What are the tools that they have available to them? What are the additional tools they need in order to achieve this three-year, five-year, ten-year goal? And really working through that. And once we map that out, then a lot of times people say to me, you know, I didn't think of it that way. I didn't see myself in this way. All of a sudden, I see where the interconnectedness or I have an aha moment. I had this one woman who said to me, um, that's who I am. I didn't, I didn't, hmm. um, I couldn't, I didn't, didn't think of it in such concrete terms. And it's really very, um, in every situation, it's, it's amazing. It's, it, it, people find a point of connection that, um, they want to move forward. And I generally ask people, what is it now that we know this, what is it you really want to do? What really stokes you? Huh. What really makes you excited? That, that idea that, that they came in wanting one thing, that, that they had kind of always idealized, thinking that that's the direction I want my career to go. And then just simply through the, the conversation with you, they realized I had, that, that their vision was maybe restricted by their, their pre-understanding. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much more to me. I, I hear that all the time. <laughs> so much more to me. Yeah. That's such a great, yeah. that's a great statement. So much more to me. So Patrick is a professor. No, so you don't, know no, that. no. She will know exactly that I'm not. I am a lecturer who part times uh, uh, covering for professors. So in my world, <laughs> you're a famous art professor. No, that's in my 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 reality of your existence is you're a famous art professor. But real professors don't like it when you say stuff like that. Okay. Oh come on, he, you you must be adjunct faculty. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I am. Yes. There you are. Okay. See, did with went with the yes, ma'am. Your authority yes. is is just just <laughs> emanating off of our Skype window here. So, um, now, you know, we've we've worked together and and identified these. Um, what what's been interesting is is I've learned so much about academia from you, uh, and professors and and all of that. But that there's this. That 25, 35, 45, and 55, right? Those, those, those yes. areas, right? And, and that strategic transitions is about how do I move between this one decade, if we could loosely put them into decades, one decade into the next decade, especially if someone wants to be on a leadership track in academia. Mm-hmm. And so that's a fair so- way to describe that, right? That is a fair way to describe it. And um, I guess uh, I, I get excited to working with a range of folks, but the millennial group, they're so interesting because um, I was just talking to one person yesterday and I, as, I, as we sat talking, um, I, you, I have to be careful not to say I've been there, but there's so much excitement in what... Um, they want to do, but they often don't see themselves um, in 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 a three-year vision or a five-year vision or a ten-year mm, vision. Mm. So what I what I really like doing with people who are in the thirty forty range is to say, so you've done all of this, you've you've achieved all of this. Look what you've done. 
so where are you going to take, where do you really want to take it? And I said, well, you know, I never really thought of it. I just want to get through. I just want to get to this promotion level. I just want to get there. And I, I allow them, I work with them to step back. Says so you're going to get to the promotion level, but beyond that, let's, let's widen the horizon a bit and think wow. more broadly. Um, and the really heartening thing is people never have allowed themselves to do that most often mm -hmm. or never sat down with somebody who would help them take that walk. Why, why do you think that um, is? Why do you think that is? And, and, and for our listener, what, what, how would you coach them up to, you know, when they finish listening to this podcast, just to stop and what little exercise could they do to widen their horizon and think more broadly? Well, I think I'm finding more and more that it's important for anybody to think, okay, I've done this and really own your achievement and say, I know I want to get immediately because financially or what otherwise or professionally, I want to achieve that. I want to get to this level in my promotion or whatever. But I, but I really encourage people to think of here. I've got this now. In three years, where could I take this? Hmm, interesting. You start to think about that. So in five years, where's, where could I take that? And 10 years, um, hmm. And a lot of people at, in, at age 30 don't like to think beyond <laughs> in those dimensions. Age 50. You know, 10 years. Yeah. yeah, who wants to think about 50? Yeah. But really helping people to step back. I say, stay with me on this and think about it. And, it, and I said, okay, so look at a colleague you're working with who is age 50. Where do you think they are? And that is that where you're likely to be? What's, what's the ideal person you look out there and say, I would like to be like person X. And it really helps to free people up and it loosens that connection to every rung of the ladder. I need to be, and it gives people time. It, time is something that I've learned that's really on our side. And I learned this from Bo Eason, mm. um, who says, you know, um, time, time is there. Just focus on um, that pathway. And I think when I get people, particularly millennials, to think a little bit in the distance and to kind of picture where they might be, and three years is a safe distance. I've heard some people say, well, I haven't even thought of a year in advance. So I said, okay, let's think of a year. But the three years, five years, 10 years is really an exercise I have found that really helps to open up people's thinking. It, it may not happen immediately in our conversation, mm. but oftentimes <clears throat> they go back the second time, by the second conversation, I hear, you know, you made me think of something. I never <laughs> thought of that. You're welcome. You know, do you? Oh, right, right. Do you think that that um, high functioning um, academics inside of inside of a lot of university situations are are kind of living in a? Um, it's very isolating. There's not. I, I can't imagine. There's a lot of career coaching uh, at that at that level of academia. Uh, because it's just so everybody's so like you were saying so anxious to just be like will I even make it to promotion and and you're you're really just like forecasting so much you know further than that but is is that an right. is that an isolated environment I, I can't imagine there's a lot of career coaching for the people who are you know training or you know, you know what what does that environment look like is it a lonely one 
I think it's very lonely for many people, for most people. And it's also a pseudo coach. You say, well, I am an assistant professor and um, by X number of time, I need to get tenure. So I need to publish X number of articles. Maybe I need to publish at least one book and all of these things. And they get people get caught up in the peer review process. And if they're depending on the research area they're in, let's say they're in biomedical or other research areas, it's about getting their first R01. What's and that? An R01 what, what, what's an R01? Is, is a re, an R01 is a research standard at the National Institutes of Health where you become a principal investigator and you are fully funded. You hmm. have your own grant in your own right. Hmm. And it's like the gold standard. But what has happened in the process in the, over the years is that funding streams have shrunk. Hmm. And, and, and they've shrunk and they've become very centralized. Um, so if you're doing brain research, great. But if you're doing anything else, um, if you're doing anything behavioral, um, you're struggling. Um, places like National Science Foundation, um, the National Institutes of Health, their, their research dollars have shrunk. So people are forced to look elsewhere, to the private sector, mm. to foundations, and what happens is if you're if you're in the private sector or in the foundation world, they want a different kind of approach to research. Mm. Um, they want um, different kinds of questions answered. Mm. So um, for many early career folks, they're finding that, well, I was trained to do one thing and come up the round. And here all of a sudden I'm, I, I need to get grants or you know what? My questions are different, and I want to think outside the box, and that doesn't fit the traditional academic line. So I find a lot of people, it's helping them figure out, okay, either I go up the tenure rank or I step out and I, and I think outside the box and I do some really exciting, engaging things and write about them, become a different kind of thought leader, and then I step back in. So to answer your question, Patrick, it is lonely. Mm-hmm. And in the academic world, um, I, if you read the Chronicle of Higher Education, the kind of guidance you get for um, professional development is mm-hmm. very limited. It's all about um, you know, getting tenure and becoming a, uh, an associate or a full professor. And then what? Do you, yeah, do you and there's, think- there, the spaces are limited. Do you think that that model is outdated for our, for our current system of, of, of like, is this model, is I that? Think, I think it is um, because um, more, if you look at the millennia of the current generation, yeah. people are trying to do, people want to do mixed, uh, have mixed, um, do multiple things. Right. Yeah, I want to be on faculty, but I also want to be working I also want to be running an NGO. Right. Um, I mean, take take yourself. Uh, you're 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 an adjunct faculty <laughs> right. to allow you to do other things. Right. 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 So so I think we have to be nimble and help guide those individuals. And I find especially um, people who are um, a special population, a minority group, or otherwise, it's very lonely mm-hmm. because they that an individual of min, a minority may, group may be the only one like them in the department, mm. and they're they're nervous about um, asking their colleagues. They feel isolated. 
um, you know, well, you know, I want to study culture in a different way, or what do I do to, to beef up my portfolio so I can get tenure? And it's usually a very isolating environment. There's not a, there's no, there's no weekly meeting where you can get together and chat with how other people did it. Um, there is, but it's also it, in academia, a lot of times it reflects in groups yeah. and, um, and if you're an outsider, um, you're, you're afraid to share because maybe some of the individuals in, in, in the group you're sharing with may be determining, may have to speak on your behalf. Mm. And so they may, you may go to them in confidence about your nervousness and that may be used against you. Mm. So, um, you know, there's, it, it, it's competitive and it's isolating and I, people like me, um, play an important role um, in helping those individuals process and think out how they can navigate um, the landscape. So I want to go to the kind of the business part of what you do. So we, we you know we've established your expertise in this area. And now you're striking out your, you know, you're going from .edu to .org to .com. Right. So to yes. where this yes. this is, you know, you'll spend the rest of your time um, kind of doing what you've been coaching people to do. Well, just until somebody lures her into a presidency. <laughs> it's a major. That doesn't no, have a sports no, team. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, you know, talent, uh, talent seems to draw attention. Someone may hear her on yeah, this podcast. Just saying we can. In Finland, <laughs> we can and unintentionally put you in charge of a major institution. I'm yes, sorry, I'm sorry if we do that to you. No. no, then I won't get that wonderful experience of working with individuals, helping them to figure out their professional path and landscape. You care this about your is, clients. I really do. Yeah. Yes. No, I I love that. The one thing about Yannette that um, is, is, is uh, one of the reasons I love her is her love of gardening. And how oh. she uses uh, the garden as a metaphor for how she works, how she approaches her business. Oh, that seems like a stretch. I can't imagine. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Listen, I was just, I just before I got on this podcast, I planted a new garden, oh. and I was thinking about this. You need the, you need the right soil. You may have the right soil. You may have the right plant, but if you don't give it the right sunshine if you don't give it water if you don't give it the right nurturance it may not it it will not thrive as greatly as it would if you don't do those things right so it's the same thing with a professional career um a, a pathway um you need to nurture you need to irrigate you need to give give attention um you need to give sunlight and then, wow, you get these most beautiful plants. And you may have a wonderful plant, and all of a sudden it starts going off, and then you have to prune it back so mm. that it will go straight. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, it's, our, it's a story of life and professional, on our professional development. No, this it's is not what, a stretch, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what, what's interesting is, and, and if you think about yourself as a brand, and you think about what your brand means and what the touch points to your brand are. And we've talked about that extensively on the show. Um, with Yannette, her brand is directly uh, associated with, with gardening and growth and, and all the things that imply. So if you go look at her website, 
um, which we'll have a link in the show. It's a strategic. It, it's got a. It's got it's a. Stra- odd- it's it's strat-transitions.com. Got it. And yes. it, you'll see that the gardening metaphor plays out in spades. Ha! Huh? See how I did that? Uh, uh, all over, which is which is really interesting because I think that sets an expectation of how people will work with you, and and what they can expect from you. And I'm and I'm curious now about the the process of you launching this business because you're. You know, you're still in your the honeymoon period, right? In the first year of yes. that, um, what, yes. What's been, and I mean, you're an accomplished professional, so and you're bringing the right tools to bear in terms of discipline and getting the work done and doing the plan. I mean, so, so all that's, we've got that. What's the biggest surprise to you in this in your own transition? Well. I uh, being um, paying attention to the business side of it. I just want to help people. It stokes me to be able to sit across from someone and, and talk about um, where they are, where they want to be and how I could help them get there. Um, and then I forget, Oh, I'm actually, I'm actually charging for this. Um, so, right. so the biggest thing has been to get, to be reminded and I needed to go get help and, um, um, and, and, you know, Mark, you've been instrumental in that of saying, okay, Yannette, remember this, you're actually doing this as a business. You're not, you know, because I just want to do this. I just want to help people cultivate and thrive to cultivate people and help them thrive. Um, so the biggest surprise has been, or the biggest challenge has been, um, reminding myself that now, um, from here on out, I am actually, um, I should actually charge for this. And um, my my clients are wonderful. They 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 um, are engaged. They love what I do, and 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 they're very willing. But I always want to give them extra time, you know. Um. <laughs> and and how do you? Which is fine. Over delivering is always great. I mean, that's just. <laughs> it, but it's you know it it's your choice uh, to be able to do that. What has been the in, internal conversation you've had with yourself to get? past that um that maybe a perception the icky part of selling right there's some you know i I, patrick i was talking to a guy who i said why why don't you sell i mean you have such a great thing why don't you i think you're talking about me well and you (laughs) and most everybody i work with yeah right uh you have this great thing why are you so reticent or even allergic to Uh selling and the guy told me, I couldn't believe this, his father was a used car salesman. Oh, that's that's too bad. Right? Yeah. And so he, he grew up around that. So he has such a negative feeling about that. So I'm curious, Yannette, how have you, because I, I know this is a challenge, even worse as an academic where you don't have to worry about selling anything. You, you don't sell stuff. Right. How, right. Is, how, right. how have you gotten on the other side of that? Or you're still working on that but maybe there's a lesson for the person who's listening right now well i think what i've had to work on and it's funny that you said the guy's father was your scars my father was an academic Mm. and i grew up at the dinner table knowing that um oh dad so-and-so is having trouble at school okay i'll talk to them it was natural you um you gave that kind of thing it was not 
it's something that you did, right? Right. So I've had to focus on the value of it. There's value uh, that I'm providing. And in order to, I found that to help that the individual that I'm working with, helping that individual to cultivate and thrive, I have to talk to them also about their value. Mm -hmm. And so it's about value and helping if that individual is going to continue. It's like going to the gym. If you have to pay for a gym membership, you will go to the gym because you paid for that membership. Right. You're not going to let the value of it go. You're not going to let your investment go away. So I found that connecting on the issue of value um, and value added. Um, and so if, as, as they say, if the kids say, if people don't have skin in the game, mm -hmm. then it, they, they don't value the game. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so that's been the point at which I've been able to work on it and in doing so helping my clients work on, on that, focusing on value, value added. I, I heard it put one way that has always stuck with me is that people pay attention when they pay. Yes, yes. Right. Yes. And it's, true. Um, it, it's, it's true. for instance, we'll, we'll do a TEDx live, which is a live stream of the main show in Vancouver, and we're not allowed to charge. We get a license to be able to broadcast the simulcast, and it's free. And mm -hmm. I'll have four, and we can only have 100 people. So I'll have 400 sign up, and 70 will show up. But I'm not charging. Mm -hmm. But if I, if mm -hmm. I were even right. able to charge $10, they would not. They would want to show up for that ten. So it's kind of weird. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and the value yes. of watching a free day of TED, which I guess in today's dollars would be about twenty five hundred dollars if you could buy a day of TED, uh, would is just it's just interesting in that way. This seems like a sociological experiment that should be funded by some kind of gold standard grant that would allow <laughs> us to research and investigate why is it that people, right. you know, learn from things that they pay for rather than you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that that's working. Um, yes, yes. So value is very important. Value added. And um, I'm also guessing that you have, um, because you're looking at the business side of all this, you've had to touch on all of those areas that you don't really have a skill set, which is like, how do I manage my web team? How do I do marketing? Yes. How do I draw yes. an audience? Yes. How do I do my communications? All of that stuff. And you have to know when you need help and you have to go out and get help because the, the reality is, um, you know, skill set. You may be able to do it, but will you do it well? So since uh, the whole thing about being a pro is that anything, what you do, you do it to the very best. Right. And, you know, and so you go out and you get help. You get the very best help to, to make that all seamless. Yeah, that's, uh, so that's I mean, every, every coach needs a coach, right, coach? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right, that's uh, absolutely. I, I, I I love that part. I was I was reticent about getting a coach, you know. Really? Yeah, I, I really I was, and uh, it's like hold it, I'm a coach, and I went hold it, I need a coach, you know, and I find yes. that that works. I, I I'm just reminded of something that I forgot to ask you earlier. You talk to them, your clients, about a one year plan, a, a three year plan, a five year plan, a ten year plan. We like to talk about that imagined reality, that that you know, vision of a future that 
yeah, I like to say paint a picture of possibility. You know, what is what does yes. that world look like? And you and I both know because we're in Bo's mastermind that the first exercise yes. we do is a 20 year plan. Like, where yes. are you going to be in 20 years? And that's scary for a lot of millennials. That's that's sort of why. Thing. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, um, I think you're invincible in the moment, and and when you're when you're um, at age 30, between 28 and, and 35, um, it's in the moment. You're you're you're. It's now. You you're doing things. You're creating. Um, to think beyond that, then you're starting to look at your parents and or, or or your grandparents. Right. Yeah, yeah. And 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 why don't I mean if if there is great benefit in having a roadmap for your life, why is that age? It feels like we don't. I don't need a roadmap. I'm good. Well, because you're invincible. I remember, at, you know, myself. Um, I remember when I got my doctorate and. Um, I was um, in my mid-twenties, and, and I remember my dad saying to me, oh, so now you begin to learn. And I thought, oh, he's wow. he's nuts. <laughs> you know, um, what do you mean, you know? Um, I'm a newly minted PhD, but I look back and I thought, wow, what wisdom there was, because yeah. there was so much more to learn. <laughs> so I think it's a human condition. It's mm. a human scenario. But I think what we realize is the those people who are at truly successful, they all had a plan. Mm-hmm. They all had a five, three years, five years. They were looking down the road twenty years. You talk to folks who who are the super successful, and they had a plan. They still have a plan. Yeah, and we're always working that plan, yeah. right? Uh, I, th- I exactly. think I've, I think I've told this story before of going to Skiji, the world's largest fish market in Tokyo. And uh, whenever I would go to Tokyo, I'd aw- always go to this fish market. It was my favorite thing to do. And it meant getting up at 3 to be able to get there at 4 for the tuna auction. And uh, frequently we didn't finish with customer um, happy hour, so to speak, till 1 or 2 in the morning. <laughs> And I say, okay, who's up in two hours to go with me? And I would always find somebody. But at the um, I, this one specific time, I remember at seven in the morning, we'd spent three hours, and we we're on the outer edge of Skiji. And I stopped and I said, "What did we just learn?" And they said, "Sylvester, why is it always about learning with you? I mean, like, why do, why do you have to stop?" <laughs> I says, "Well." We, we did something fun and interesting, and what did we learn? And they couldn't figure it out. And, it, and I always said, let's think about it. And what got me was that we wandered aimlessly through, just go from interesting little, okay, look at these miniature octopus, to look at this tuna, to look at this. just And we found our way all the way to the end. I said, it would have been maybe a different experience, maybe more effective if we'd had a map. If yeah. we knew, hey, here's a map. Let's We'd go. Have a plan. We have a plan, right? Let's let's. Yeah. We're gonna yeah. go see these things because we probably missed a lot along the road, and so yeah. I, I think this a, a way to kind of wrap this up is that having a plan and knowing that in that plan there's gonna be transitory phases and transitions that you're going to have, and managing those transitions becomes yes. a real life skill. It really does. And map and you're absolutely right. The map is is a tool and a guide, a general um, 
you know, orientation towards the path. But you're right, there are transitions and challenges that come along and you just adapt and update the map. Exactly. Right? That's why I like um, being a Sherpa because yeah. maps and Sherpas go together yeah. pretty well. So I like yes. that a lot. Yes. And talking about mapping, I have to say well, that's that, right. You're a ge- um, you, one of the you, things I learned. You're a geography yes, person yes. too, right? Well, I play with geographers. I'm not a geographer. <laughs> I was just at the um, annual meeting of the geographers, and um, I was the discussant for uh, Russ Holt, who is the head of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. And I, I was there, and we had a wonderful session. There were more than... Um, 300 people in the room and I said and one person asked me so so are you a geographer and I said no I'm a social epidemiologist who plays with geographers and everyone <laughs> laughed but the but, but the, the point is um, I one of the fast fantastic tools that I got from you is this using a mind map mm. and it has been remarkable with my clients because it's easy to talk through something with someone Mind map. Yeah, MindNote really helps to give a picture of the nodes and the connections um, and the possibilities. So it gives these veins. Um, and it really, when people look at that after a conversation with me and I said, well, here's what we talked about. Here's where you say you want to be. And they look at it and said, oh, I, can I take this? Do you have this in color? I'll put it up on the wall. You know? Right. So, so mapping is um, really very helpful in helping us to visualize possibilities. Yeah, I, I, there you go. That's our, that's our T-shirt for the show. Um, I appreciate that, Yannette, uh, This has been a, a great conversation, and I, I know our listener is is happy to hear this. One of the things they also know is that it is at this point in the show that I like to give a title to the conversation. So uh, there's 150 plus conversations that we've had. And if someone's looking through the back catalog and it's a year from now and they see the title to this show, it is so compelling that they stop looking and they go, I'm gonna listen to that show. What is that title? Well, uh, that's gonna be difficult for me. You ask an academic and I'm gonna be pedantic, so I'm gonna try to be um, crisp. this is the part where you uh, can pre- I say? How- you can pretend like you're having Skype trouble, Go ahead. and then that'll give you extra moments <laughs> to come up with the answer. The, the process of helping individuals to define, process, and actualize their professional roadmaps. Oh, I like that. Except uh, I get you get four words or five words. Professional. Oh, professional. developing your professional roadmap. That's what I heard. Do you like that? Yes. 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 Yes, yes. <laughs> Yannette, it was nice talking exactly to you. That's what it is. In, ca- in case we lose you through I the know. end of this, it was nice speaking with you. And it was so, nice speaking with you, Patrick. So I also want to thank, again, California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast, send us a note to partner at 805connect.com. Patrick, how could our listener help us right now? 
Well, uh, among many things, uh, they could rate, write, review, let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Uh, get somebody subscribed to the show that's not already subscribed to this show. Um, and then also, you know, uh, really reach back out and support the people that have been on the show. The, the guests are what make this show so you great. Bet. And so um, pick, pick your favorite guest and reach out to them. Tell them that you appreciated hearing them on this show specifically. I love that. I would love to hear from you. Um, I, get, I get such great ideas, Patrick, from people who say, Mark, you've got to talk to so-and-so, fill in the blank. And uh, it's typically someone who would never show up in my ecosystem. And it's so great to have had all of these conversations. If you have an idea, drop me a note, mark at 805connect.com. I thank you so much. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.